Today, we're going to be doing something called podcast roulette. As per usual, I have no plan, no structure, no direction for this podcast. I haven't researched anything. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. You'll know more than me at this stage based on the title. Approximately 19 hours ago, I did an Instagram poll and I was like, podcast topics, what do you want to hear me talk about? Got a ton of answers. So what we're going to do in a minute is I'm going to open up my Instagram and I'm going to randomly scroll through and I'm going to stop my finger. And whatever topic my finger stops on, whatever question my finger stops on, I'm going to make a podcast about. We might do one, we might might do two, we might do three, but there is absolutely no way in knowing what I'm going to be talking about today. It's okay if there's there's multiple people on a podcast because you can kind of go back and forth and have a conversation. But when you're doing it by yourself, it makes it a whole lot more difficult. And uh, life is all about doing things that are challenging, doing things that are difficult, expanding your comfort zone and doing things that you're not too comfortable with doing. So yeah, we're going to go into this blind. I'm not going to pause this podcast. I'm not going to cut it. I'm not going to cut bits out if I fuck up. I'm going to leave it all in as per usual. Keep it raw, keep it real. And uh, welcome to this week's Mo's therapy session where you listen to Mo talk about things that he's learned and offload all the information. Anyhow, I want to say, I want to start by saying that the podcast last week I did on body language, going into it, I wasn't very sure about how people would respond to it. Like, in all honesty, I didn't think it was going to be a very good one, call me pessimistic, in terms, uh, compared to other podcasts. But hands down, the amount of DMs I received about that podcast on Instagram was by far the most I've received out of any podcast I've ever done, period. People loved it. So, I love body language as well. I find it absolutely fascinating. If you want another podcast on body language, let me know specifically what you want to know about body language. And I'll actually sit down, structure an informative or educational video about certain things to do with body language. I'm thinking courtship would be a good one. I could do one on women in particular as well. If you're a woman, um, I know the majority of my or I've got quite, I've got an all right split, but the majority of my demographic are males. If you wanted to, I could do, I could do one on how to leverage yourself as a female in like a male dominated workplace. I could do one on guys, on meeting people, on meeting girls, on dates in general, courtship, whatever, or I could break it down based on certain body parts. Just let me know and uh, I will make that happen. Anyway, on to the podcast itself. So we're opening our Instagram right now. We go into my story. We're looking at the answers to my podcast topic questions. How do you find the answers to a question? I'm not very good at Instagram, am I? Here you go, seal. So we're going to scroll to the bottom. Wow, there's a lot of questions. And we're going to randomly scroll up to the top. I'll put it by the mic so you can hear me scrolling, 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 scrolling. Stop there. Self-confidence. This is from someone called Ander Pabo. Self-confidence from... 100 to 0 after getting sexually rejected. <gasps> ah, well, I'm a man of my word. And uh, we, so we're going to start this podcast off by talking about self-confidence from 100 to 0 after getting sexually rejected. First and foremost, I have absolutely no idea what this question... Well, I have some kind of idea, but I don't have a solid idea in terms of what question this question means. So let's talk about self-confidence. Let's talk about rejection and how it can make you feel a bit shit. After getting sexually rejected, what does sexually rejected mean? Does that just mean that you are attracted to someone? They turn down your advances? I assume, I assume that is the case. So, okay. First and foremost, self-confidence. Uh, a lot of people lack it. And um, I have seen many people, many people 
who want to improve it, want to get, want to become more confident, want to become more outgoing. But equally, I've also seen people that say you shouldn't try and get more confident. You should just stay the way that you are. And while there's a lot to be said for being, for being happy and being as, as you are, there's definitely a confidence scale. So there's definitely a scale in terms of, okay, if you're like an intermediate to more advanced or like all right levels of confidence you don't you're not like crippled by anxiety and insecurity or anything like that you can happily speak to people um you're probably going to be somewhere on the like the middle of that scale versus the lower end of the confidence scale where you're going to be like fucking not very happy maybe you struggle to speak to new people you get really bad social anxiety you can't answer your question you can't answer questions in if you're in university or in class or whatever that's probably going to be the lower end of the, of the self-confidence scale not a lot of self-confidence in your own ability to do things not a lot of self-esteem and uh it really really affects your life on a day-to-day -day basis so all the people and a lot of people a lot of people that say this as well i, I really really look up to and like their content so that, that think that you should shouldn't actually look to increase your confidence i think that's incorrect because it's it can really really affect your life and it can really really affect your life negatively and you can miss out on tons of opportunities and be incredibly miserable if you're not a very confident person and where where there's a where there's a will there's a way you have an ability to improve your confidence you can become a more confident outgoing person by by doing certain things by practicing certain things and by pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone so from the point of view of someone that's like First of all, I want to say that as you get older, you get more confident. The the more experience you get of your life, the more experience you get in a in a trade, in a job, the more experience you get at doing something, the more wins you get, the more confident you are naturally going to get. But for someone that has absolutely zero confidence or is very, very crippled and hurt by it, it's you don't always have, you don't want it to take time. You don't have this option of time. You want to fast track it. So, um... First and foremost, it's a pretty simple answer to improving self-confidence. What you want to do is you want to find the things that you're you're most concerned about, you're most scared about, whether it's normally something to do with public public anxiety or or being humiliated or rejected, as this guy said in public. You want to find the thing that you're most most scared about, and you kind of want to put yourself in situations where you get scared. You don't want to shy away from a fear. You don't want to run away from a fear. You don't want to remove yourself from the the scenario that's gonna that's gonna make you scared and make you feel that way. You actually want to actively go out and seek it. And by conditioning yourself to be in these uncomfortable situations, doing it again and again and again and again, marginal gains, baby steps, like you just slowly step outside of your comfort zone eventually you're going to get to a position where you're going to look back and you're going to have grown massively so it's something like uh walking down a street for example okay let's say you're really really self-conscious in public and you're you're not very not very happy so first of all from self-confidence self-confidence point of view you want to be taking care of yourself so you i believe that no one is inherently ugly you want to make sure you've got a good haircut you have decent skin you take good care of yourself you have a good diet which is going to give you all right all right skin it's going to give you a nice glow eating your veggies you want to make sure you dress well you don't have to wear designer clothes like just dress like relatively okay and uh be be change the things that you can externally and like and present yourself in a way as as, as you perceive a confident person would be next you can work on your body language so you can make sure you have open body language chest out shoulders back head up like confident body language you, you think i think therefore i am 
um, state control, put yourself in these states, and then eventually it's gonna it's gonna kind of slowly rub off. Big thing for me, I used to have bad posture when I was younger, and I used to be very kythotic, so hunched over. Good thing for me would was was to whenever I walked through a doorway, I think I read this somewhere. Whenever I walked through a doorway, I'd make sure that I pull my shoulders back, push my chest out, and put my head up. And I'd forget it sometimes. Other times I remember it, and I just keep drilling it into myself over a period of months. And eventually, what it did was it sorted out my posture. But it also made me feel a lot more confident as I went into rooms, walked into classrooms, went into public environments I think I did this at university because I'd be going in there with like this good like upright good state this good posture I hate the word alpha such a such a cringe word or such a uh, associated douchebag word because it's been adopted by the gym community but um, with a good like alpha alpha posture in the sense that you're you're sure of yourself you're assertive you're confident you're you're outgoing so then, self-confidence, um, what you can do is uh, is work on the little things. So baby steps, first of all, like like going backtracking. If you're very, very shy of uh, the public, you're worried about what people think of you in public, you're worried about um, the way that you're perceived, so walk down the street and rather than keeping your eyes down, like just kind of become aware, get, get an awareness of your own body language, get an awareness to how you present yourself. And then kind of once you're aware of the things that you can do, the negative traits that you have, you can then work on them. First of all, I would say make eye contact with people. Um, when you're walking down the street, if someone's not very confident, if someone's uh, a subordinate, quite often they will keep looking down or they'll look away or they'll look in the other direction. They won't actually ever look at you. So the, the test here then is, uh, this is from a book. What book is it from? Is it from the four hour work week? I think it may be. The, the thing you should do here then is start by trying to make eye contact with people. So look people in the eyes and don't be the first to break eye contact. Try and like not so much stare them out like you want to have a fight with them, but uh, get some good eye contact, maintain it and then keep doing that. It'll feel uncomfortable as hell at first and then you'll eventually get used to it. And if someone stops you like what are you looking at kind of thing, you just be like, oh, um, I thought I thought I knew you or uh, I thought I recognized you or something along those lines. I thought you know, blah, 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 just come with some shit excuse. But the, the, you'll soon realize that if you look at someone, give them a big smile as well, it's gonna make you feel good, man, because we have these things called mirror neurons in our brains. So mirror neurons are, are neurons that are connected and if someone exhibits a certain type of behavior, we mirror it as people. So for example, if someone smiles at us, it's gonna make us feel happy and we're probably gonna return the smile. People that smile and people that are more more generally happier or do a lot better socially. So first thing you can do then is just kind of make sure that you have good eye contact with people generally and then uh, give them a smile, give them a big smile as well. On a morning walk, it'll feel uncomfortable, it'll feel, probably feel, feel a bit awkward, like even I feel awkward doing it sometimes. But when someone returns a warm smile to you, it makes you feel great, it feels really good. And it's just conditioning yourself doing these small things to slowly step outside of your comfort zone and become more of a social creature. So then going more into the into the question that you asked, zero confidence from 100 to Confidence from self-confidence from zero after getting so sexually rejected. Okay, there will be a lot of losses in whatever you do. You are going to lose a lot of battles, whether that's with partners, whether that's if you're a young lad going out trying to meet girls, trying to meet people, trying to make friends, um, applying for jobs. You will get rejected a lot. So you've got to learn to be okay with rejection. How do you do that? Again, same with what I just said. You get rejected a lot you, you you literally get rejected a lot and the more times it happens the the more you realize that oh it's okay and it's, it's almost like a numbers game you, you might send out 100 resumes and get 
get 10 resumes back if you're lucky or two two replies or like it's 10, 10 replies, not 10 resumes. And you've got to realize, man, that whenever you're trying to do something new, whenever you're trying to do something that's worth doing, you are going to fail. You are going to get rejected a lot. And getting rejected doesn't mean that you should quit. Getting rejected just means that it's say, maybe you've done something wrong. You should evaluate what you've done. You should evaluate your approach. You should evaluate, evaluate how you're doing things and then change it up, change it up a little bit and try again and see if you get that same rejection from whatever it is. And it's almost like failures or rejection is a imagine like your imagine your imagine you've got a got 10 cups and then under one of the cups is a hundred dollar bill and someone's like okay i want you to which which cup is a hundred dollar bill under you can keep it if you find it and you've got two options here you can either say oh i've no idea there's 10 options i'm not even going to try and then walk off or you can lift up every cup, you lift up the first cup, it's not not under there, and then you know it's not the first cup. You lift up the second cup, it's not under there, you know it's not the second cup. There's only eight cups left. So you work through the options one by one until the options are so few that the only cup left is the one with the 100 bill. Same thing with getting rejected, same thing with doing anything, same thing with failure. You can either not even try, not even start, because you're so scared of failure, in which case you're just walking away from all the cups, or you can try risk getting rejected, risk failing. And then every time you fail, every time you get rejected, you can use it as a, use it as a, a compass to align you more towards the true objective, the true objective or what, what you need to be doing, where you need to be, if that makes sense. So then I would just suggest like, get okay with getting rejected, man. Like literally get okay with getting rejected. Go out, meet people, be a fucking idiot. Go into, uh, in this case where the person's asked about being sexually rejected, let's assume that means like rejected from, uh, re rejected from meeting someone or rejected on a date or something like that. Uh, Go out and deliberately get rejected. Go out and have no expectations of people. Meet people, get chatting to them, have no expectations from the interaction. Be your weird fucking self. Crack some offensive jokes. Say what you want to say. Like just be be who you want to be. With the go into it with the with the mentality that like you're just there to have fun. This is gonna go nowhere, and you don't give a shit about that, and that's fine. And then if someone does, you do get rejected, which is probably gonna happen an awful lot anyway it makes it okay. It makes it easy to deal with. And then the more rejections you kind of rack up, the the, the less painful it's going to be, the more confidence you're going to have, which in turn, more confidence, is, more confidence is going to lead to a lower chance for you getting rejected in future because people just want to have fun. People are happy with, happy around people that are self-confident, people that are secure and people that are, that are sure of themselves and what they're saying. So yeah, man, it's a it's a difficult one. Your question's very broad in terms of getting sexually rejected, blah 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 blah. But um, that's kind of all I can say is just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Work on yourself, like actually actively take a stance, learn, meet more people, and just realize that you're not gonna win every single time. It's part of life. Like even look at big big entrepreneurs, look at people like Steve Jobs, like Bill Gates. How many companies people have started before this one company? one company kicks off how many people have married the first person that they, they ever meet unless it's an arranged marriage or unless it's from like the 1960s how many people fall in love with the first partner that they have ever met it's probably gonna go tits up it's probably gonna go wrong same thing with meeting people how many people are you gonna meet that um how many people are you gonna you're not gonna meet someone and be with them and get married and have children and 
happily ever after. There's going to be some stage in this process where you're probably going to re- get rejection in some way or another. So it's just about getting being okay with rejection. And uh, I, think, I can't remember who I was saying this to, but I was talking to someone about Tinder the other day, actually, and they were going about how they didn't have any success on Tinder with speaking to people. And I'm like, dude, it is a numbers game again. It's like anything in life at the end of the day. So think about this, right? You, you've got Tinder, and uh, what Tinder is, is it's an app for dating. You probably know this if you're born before 1906. It's an app for dating. So you've got people that download Tinder and use the app. You download Tinder and use the app. It matches people with the app, with other people that use the app. So you're getting a pool of the population and you're refining it. So you might have 100 people, 100 women, and only 10% of those, 10 women, download Tinder. So suddenly, you've only got 10% of the overall population that are on this app. Within that app, within that 10% of people, within those 10 women that have downloaded Tinder, you're going to get people from all walks of life who like all different things. And you're also going to get people of varying levels of physical attractiveness, some very attractive, some that you perceive to be not very attractive at all, some skinny, some overweight, some all good, some Gucci. And from that pool of 10 people, then let's say that you might be attracted to two out of of those 10 people. From those two out of 10 people, you might have a uh, you might, if you're very extremely lucky, you might have, you might kind of agree and get on with one out of those two people. So suddenly it's only 10% of the, the population of this original group you have a hope of matching with because you find them attractive and you share similar interests. And then from that one person remaining, they might not find your humor funny or they might think you're very immature or childish. What I'm trying to get at is that you're looking for an incredibly small percentage of a population. Like when you're doing something, you're 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 basically putting all your eggs in one basket in the sense that if you just do a couple of swipes, match with a few people, the chances of the stars aligning and all these things coming together are incredibly slim. Like the chances of that happening are pretty much nil if you only try a few times. But let's say you spend the next four hours on Tinder swiping away, match with 3,000 people, the pool of people that you have similar interests with are going to be a lot bigger, so you're much more likely to get on with them, you're much more likely to relate to them. But you wouldn't have got to that unless you dealt with all the rejections and met the people that you didn't want to meet and met the people that didn't get on with you and didn't find you attractive and you didn't like blah 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 so marginal gains to self-confidence do things that scare every single day and man sexually rejected whatever that means is just just make yourself look better like go to the gym maybe lose some weight if you're fat like i said start eating better foods it'll clear up your skin if you're not eating loads of dairy products and greasy shitty processed foods get in shape wear nice clothes and then learn to improve your social skills be more confident will be more outgoing and it will massively massively positively impact you like at the end of the day it isn't obviously being attractive makes it easier like if you if you perceive yourself as being this is all it is at the end of the day if you perceive yourself as being some form of like mentally or physically attractive it makes it a ton easier but it is all about the you as a person you could be the best looking guy in the world and if you're an absolute fucking weirdo that's really insecure and has no fun and doesn't have any any confidence and has no energy no one's going to want anything to do with you who are you going to ra- rather be with someone that's someone that's really outgoing someone that's fun someone that brings you up someone that gives you joy and is maybe like ah eh, they're all right or someone that's like absolutely beautiful and they've got the personality of a fucking plank of wood i know what i'm going to choose all right we're 18 minutes in. I say we can squeeze out another two questions. On to the next one. Random scroll. Bam, 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 bam. Stop. We have got 
bulking macros tips. I'm sorry, I'm skipping that one. I'm done with fitness. Fuck fitness. Fuck it. Random scroll. Bam. No fap. Lewis mode. Okay, so no fap is basically where you don't have a wank. We can speak about that. So you're asking my opinions on no fap. So I haven't looked into actual scientific literature of it, but I have a rough idea in terms of no fap. No fap. So there's loads of um, loads of things. There's loads of what you basically do is you abstain from jacking off. You abstain from having a wank. So you're allowed to have sex, but you're not allowed to ejaculate. And well, you're allowed to have se- you're allowed to ejaculate when you have sex, but you're not allowed to ejaculate when by masturbating, basically. And uh, this is very popular. I've seen it a lot on the internet. I've seen a lot of people making videos about it. And straight off the bat, do I think no fap works? Okay, we've got to define working. What are the benefits that people promise? People promise things such as increased levels of testosterone, um, better better focus, better concentration, higher sex drive, um, numerous, a plethora of benefits, including, I can't even remember, just basically those. So the idea is that you're going to become less of an incel because you're not wanking, so you're actually going to go out and meet people. So yeah, first and foremost, I don't agree with NoFap. I think it is pretty stupid, but I do agree with the premise of it. So I my personal take is um, pornography. I think pornography is very bad. Pornography changes the changes our changes the, we get very specific types of brain activity going on when you watch porn and it is not good. Like it is not good to watch. It can make you sexually desensitized. It can take away from your own sex life. It can make sex not as good. And I think if you're a young lad, everyone's probably had those stages where you just absolutely smash out porn when they're like in their young teens and they first discover the internet and pornography, myself included. And my note, my, my, uh, my, my take on it then is that generally speaking, like it's not good. You should probably avoid it. You shouldn't probably probably shouldn't watch it and it is I don't see how it's ever going to benefit you and it is going to take away from sexual experiences so if you're watching loads of like gnarly porn like some fucking crazy orgies on the international space station um you're obviously going to set the bar pretty high and then when you have sex with someone and have like normal completely usual even like very good sex it's going to always seem less you're always going to be wanting more you're always going to be wanting like pushing the boundaries because you're watching all this weird crazy porn you're going to want to kind of like live up to that a little bit more or always want more out of the sexual encounter that you're having based upon this completely fabricated fake thing that you've seen online you know um, so I think porn's porn's very bad in that sense, and I suggest that you stay away from it and don't watch it. Masturbation, on the other hand, I think it's like it is what it is. Anything in moderation, you know, whether you're a guy or a girl or whatever, it's. I wouldn't suggest fapping every single day. That if you want to have a, if you want to smash one out, go for it. Why not? I'm not going to judge. But and then like anything in any extreme is bad. So I'd say abstaining from it as well, abstaining from ejaculation. I think I read a study a few months ago that showed a decrease in testosterone over, I think it's one to two, around the one to two week mark or seven to 10 days. I'll see if I can find it. And uh, a decrease in testosterone from people that abstained from ejaculation. Whether that's a significant decrease, who knows? But you're not, people promise all these like testosterone boosting effects of not busting your nut. And that's a very, very stupid no- notion that retention of semen is related to an increased, an, an increased, um, androgen in your body, testosterone. Like it's, it's, that it doesn't, doesn't work like that. It's not that black and white. 
So yeah, I, I wouldn't suggest like abstaining completely from masturbation, but like I said, everything in moderation. And we can all agree on at the end of the day is that having sex with an actual person is going to be far better. So porn, no. Masturbation, if you really want to in small amounts, go for it. Having sex, yes, do it. And it's like the, the, the issue I have with no fap then is the where you're basically saying you're not going to masturbate. No idea what Siri was saying then. The issue I have with NoFap then, where you say that you're going to abstain from master... Siri! Shut the fuck up! The issue I have with masturbation then, where you say that you're going to abstain from... The issue I have with NoFap, where you say you're going to abstain from masturbation then, is, isn't is so much the fact that you're, you're not watching porn and you're not masturbating. It's kind of the contradictory information that it's okay to have sex with a girl it's okay to ejaculate into a cervix or even have sex and finish yourself off but for some reason it's not okay not to watch porn and not to masturbate it's kind of absolutely no scientific premise or logic behind that which i very much struggle with but yeah um do not sit in a room jack off jacking off all day watching porn like go and actually you can use it as you use it as a tool to motivate you to to go out and re meet real people and have some like real great experiences. So let's do the scroll again. Scroll again. We're gonna scroll down. We'll start from the bottom this time. We scroll and we scroll and up, 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 up. Eyes closed. This one. Dealing with social anxiety and motivation loss. Um, I can go 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 on go on a little bit about that from Sam Brook DMB. What's good, mate? So basically, social anxiety, same thing as before. You just want to push yourself outside your comfort zones, do all the same thing. Like literally get get out there, man. Get meeting people and get rejected. And the sooner you get rejected, it's it's good. You're gonna get it's gonna be better. You're gonna get you're gonna get used to that feeling and it's gonna become less scary because our brain, we're loss averse. We don't wanna lose things, we don't wanna look like an idiot. It's hardwired into our brains not to look like a, a fool in public, or we don't want people to judge us, we don't want people to laugh laugh at us. But you you gotta realize that people with confidence, like they've been rejected and they've just got over it and they they do not care. So dealing with social anxiety, we have this thing called the winner effect where if we do, this is why I talk about marginal gains and slowly stepping outside of your comfort zone. If you do something small and um, you, you that it's, it's mentioned, it's really, really, it's cited really nicely or explained really nicely in a book called Atomic Habits. If you do something small, it's a small win, it sets you on this path where it's more likely to lead to a slightly bigger win that, that again leads to a, a slightly bigger win again and again and again and again. And the, the wins basically magnify. So if you do something in the like smile at another person, which is can be scary and can make you nervous, especially if you social stuff with social anxiety, or make eye contact with another person and smile and see that it isn't a negative, negative thing. When you look somebody in the eyes, you can make it into a positive, like actual dopamine releasing, happy interaction. When you see that, it's going to lead on to smaller things, and so maybe you'll be more inclined to. Speak to the, the girl that's serving you at the cafe a little bit more. Maybe you'll engage in a bit of conversation. Just try and speak to people. Like Realize that you have a voice. You've been blessed with a voice and you can make people's days better by talking to them. If it isn't for you, do it for them. Like Always try and try and have a conversation with that person at the checkout, the, the checkout woman, the checkout man, whoever it is. Try and ask them about their day. Have like a meaningful conversation. Try and make them laugh. Try and crack a joke. Person behind the counter, don't just get your food and not say anything to them. Have a little chat. Like Crack a joke. Say something something make someone days make someone's day better and realize that you have a voice and you have the ability to improve someone's 
day and make it better. Um, go out, like if you're on the cusp about doing something, especially socially, do it. Like if you're on the fence about it, do it. Just do it. Don't think do. Uh, go out, meet people and realize as well, man, that like especially on nights out and stuff, a lot of people are going to be in the exact same situation that you are. A lot of people are going to be in the in the same, same situation, wanting to meet people, wanting to make friends, but they are too shy to approach you. So I was in... I was in Portugal a while ago. That's a pretty good example. And we were sat around. I met up with a few guys, mates from Portugal. And well, started with subscribers. And then we trained together. And then they're really, really cool guys. Big shout out to Luca. And uh, we we became great friends. And they were asked if I wanted to come on a night out with them. And for example, last time went out and there was a... a, a couple of girls sitting behind us at a table and they were just two girls on their own. They looked, you can see them looking around. They looked like they just wanted to, wanted to chat, wanted someone to, wanted a bit of excitement. They looked quite bored. And then it was like four or five of us lads sat on a table and then clearly the, the two groups were meant to be. And obviously like approaching someone in a bar, especially in COVID is very, it can be very uncomfortable. It can be very scary because you feel like all eyes are on you. But what you got to realize at the end of the day is that everyone is thinking the same thing. No one actually gives a fuck and everyone is too caught up in themselves. So you just got to kind of like, don't think do. So just got up, pulled up, I didn't pull up a chair, did I? Just walked over there and uh, just crouched around next to the table and just asked where I was good to go. Got a conversation going, turned to be really nice people, had a had a lovely conversation and that kind of broke the ice for the night and then from there on I got this like little little win. From there on like we just went up and met loads of people, spoke to loads of people, spoke to loads of groups and involved them in the conversations and then all of them were welcoming, all of them were incredibly like intrigued or interested about like, about, like meeting us and what we did and just... Um, generally keen to have a conversation, have like a laugh and a good time. And uh, it all just started from that little seed of like just getting up and going, going to, going to talk to people. Don't think, do, don't think about what you're going to say. Just go up and just fucking start saying something. Maybe not hello, my name and hello, what is your name? That's probably not a very good start, but maybe something more along the lines of like a, like a question or advice or something like that, uh, that basically like breaks the ice and makes, makes someone interested or someone wanting to start a conversation. Because like I said, like I've said time and time again, everyone just wants the same thing at the end of the day. We are social people. We want to be, we want to meet new people. How fun is it to meet meet a new person? How fun is it to chat to someone that you've never met before? You both have a great time. You both crack jokes and then you become friends and like from one little interaction where you just take the first step, like who knows what might come of it? You know, like so many, so many things and so many friends at Tom who I live with right now, the, the, the reason we became friends to begin with was I saw him in the gym with a camera and I walked up to him and asked like what is filming and said that I like, I like filming as well I like cameras and other things and so we got chatting Alex who I also live with right now we own all of three of us own a business together that interaction came about from him once DMing me on Instagram and asking if I wanted to get some food if I wanted to go and get dinner because he saw that I was in London he was in London and the rest is history like you've got to imagine what are you missing out on? We, we go through everything twice in life. Number one, you visualize it. Number two, you actually do it. And if you really, really be mindful of things, and this is how I think meditation can help you as well, it teaches you to be mindful, is visualize like what could what could the pos best possible outcome of this interaction be with someone? You could get a friend for life. You could get a new girlfriend, a partner, whatever it is. So it's, I know it's a bit contradictory, me saying, go in to, if you want to meet someone in a courtship point of view, go in with like no, no, uh, no expectation, 
but you can kind of you can kind of frame it from both sides or you, you can in like general general life then think if you're on the cusp about doing something and you're not really sure think about everything that could go right what is the best possible thing it could go right and then ripple that away from you everything you can possibly visualize ripple that away from you and realize that none of that is going to happen or nothing is going to transpire at all you're going to be in the exact same situation you're currently in right now if you don't take those first initial steps so it's just about doing it like just doing something not nothing that's that's the most important thing scroll 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 last one stop there okay that's in ukrainian or russian or something no chance loss of motivation um da -da -da -da. right that's a bit of a cheat because it's a bit of a crap question we're gonna scroll down and we're gonna stop Dating relationships and being happy single. Oh my God, this has basically been to a... I'm becoming like a dating coach now from Laura Bevan. What's good, Laura? Dating relationships and being happy single. Okay, so this is a tricky one because I'm going to have a split of male and female audiences, audience members. Men and women are two different species. So we have very different ways of seeing things, which is probably why men and women argue so much. Reproductive strategies of men and women differ. So from a evolutionary biology, biological point of view, we're very different. Like males in any spe any complex multicellular species, such as like, well, it's not species, uh, or groups like mammals and females generally have the, very, the same reproductive strategies, the same ways of finding partners and having sex is kind of how it happens so the majority in the in the, in the vast majority of creatures there is a few that like pair for life in the vast majority of creatures the reproductive strategy for the male in the species is to what you understand is that men have sperm women have eggs males have sperm females have eggs in any species sperm are infinite you can keep producing them. They constantly, um, they are produced forever. There's a, there's a lot of sperm. There's a lot of sperm swimming around in your little testicles right now. They're easy to produce, which means from biology, they are biologically cheap. They cost like a few pennies to make. Eggs, on the other hand, eggs, there is a finite amount. They run out. You go through a menopause if you're a woman. At a certain age, you become no longer reproductively viable. Eggs are costly to make. They're very complex. They're biologically expensive. They might cost a few hundred dollars to make and they're finite. They're a very valuable resource. So the reproductive strategy between men and women then is that normally a man will, or a, or a male in a species will go out, seeds are, seeds are cheap, and he will spread his sperm to as many places as possible like in humans the the classic fuck boy so he will put his sperm in as many women or females as possible in order to further his own genes at the end of the day from a bio biological point of view as well well from a biological point of view solely the purpose of life is to pass on your own genetics to your offspring to reproduce to continue your lineage to pass on your genes so that's all everything is pretty much hardwired to do you know darwinian fitness i haven't done this in years is classed as is it the 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 likelihood of reproducing um i can't remember i have a little google i think it's i think it's the 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 Stutter. the statistical probability that you're going to reproduce and is it to do with age as well i can't remember basically long story short if if you're a male you're gonna go out and put your seeds in as many different females as possible in order to further your genes to, to produce more offspring and live on and continue your legacy so 
we don't men are it's why men are like kind of known for being it's why fuck boys are a thing females on the other hand females in a species because eggs are so costly because eggs cost a couple of hundred dollars they're going to want to be selective about who they breed with so a female will go and select one one prime male with good genetics that she can combine her egg with and it's going to give the give the the best offspring that are most genetically superior and likely to go on and and survive like this is deeply enrooted into us as a as a species and across multiple other species as well so we get this issue where from a biological point of view men want to go and plant their seeds in as many different people as possible whereas women want to select one man to take that seed and create some beautiful genetic godlike babies and then we get a bit of a mismatch occurring here because we obviously we we live in a society where it's not okay to do that. If you're from the from the Western world, anywhere, there's a few places in the world where you can be poly. Is it polygamous? And I forgot I forgot the terms. Polygamous. I can't remember. You know what I'm trying to say. Where it's where it's okay to have multiple multiple wives, but generally speaking, that is not okay to do in this society and day and age. So then. Being happy single is what I'll start with. For a man, it's probably going to be off the bat quite a, quite a lot easier in the sense that you're going to be, I, I would say from, from a point of view as, as a male, that you can, you can enjoy yourself and you can, I don't know how to frame this, it's a difficult one. My personal experience being a man, I would say that it's very easy to be happy single for a longer period of time. My personal experience from my friends that are girls is they seem to end up in relationships a lot sooner than me. So whether you're a man or a woman, what I'm trying to get at is being happy single, just ignore everything I just said. Being happy single is all about just realizing that you have options, realizing, being sure that you're being, being sure, sure in yourself, realizing that you, you're, you're, you're not going to die alone, having confidence in yourself. And when you have a bit of confidence, when you have some self-esteem, you'll be, you'll be happy and you'll know that, that the right person will come along eventually if you, if you allow them to. Don't just jump on anything and realize that it's the, 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 the right thing is going to happen and you're not going to die as some decrepit old man or woman alone um being happy single then just, just have your own stuff going on you know like i find one of the drawbacks of relationships is that it's time it's a lot of time and you should be in your 20s and your teens should be going out having fun meeting people growing as a person and doing making stupid decisions investing into, into businesses trying to find that work out what you want to do in your life trying to work out like what you enjoy what you don't enjoy putting your time into into new ventures putting your time to learning new skills and more often than not having a girlfriend or a boyfriend kind of takes away from that like you have a lot less time and the chances of you meeting someone young this is a pessimistic view of looking at it as well and staying with them forever is incredibly unlikely so just just be be happy single in the sense that realize you've got plenty of time to meet people go out enjoy your freedom live your life and uh the, the it will happen when it happens the right time will come the point i was trying to make at the start about the the differences in differences in sex is that I find, I think that especially when testosterone is raring and you're a young lad, is that younger guys can find it very difficult to stay satisfied and content with one partner. As in like, I, you're going to be very, very, you're probably quite a rare person if you're not, if you're able to settle down and happy and content and don't get bored in a relationship if you're in your teens and your early 20s. Like I get a lot of young lads messaging me about this issue. Like they really like someone, but they're, but they, but they, their head just isn't in it. And on the other hand, if you're female, it's going to be a lot 
easier to be content and happy with someone because you don't have that drive from a testosterone to go out and plant a seed in as many things as possible. So yeah, I just say don't push for relationships, don't stress it, realize you're still young, go out and enjoy yourself, man. And it's only maybe in your like 30s, <laughs> whenever you should probably start looking at looking for not necessarily looking for but allowing yourself to allowing yourself to to be in a position where you can meet someone and have a relationship but don't don't force it I, the best things have always happened authentically and naturally and it's always been me seizing opportunities so just saying yes to things rather than saying no i've never been on a formal date with someone that i don't know oh, i've got asked about this a lot as well so we might as well talk about it before i wrap this up um dating so i've never been on like a proper date i don't like dates i think they're stupid i think they're dumb i think they create a, a bad dynamic if you obviously they work like they can work but i think it's a very outdated notion so i've never been like would you like to go on a date with me and sat down and paid for a meal with someone like first of all i'm not going to pay for your meal because why should i be paying for your meal when we're both equals you can pay for your own fucking food <laughs> number two is i feel it i feel the dynamic it creates is completely wrong so obviously the man is expected to ask a woman out on a date and um it's kind of like it's just a societal thing isn't it being this it's just it just is what it is and uh, that creates a bad dynamic from the from the outset from the off go so what you're basically saying is that i'm really interesting interested in you please give me your time i will pay for a meal i will pay for your time please can I see you again? And it's like creating this hierarchy between two people where you're putting the you're putting the woman on the pedestal and the man is like kind of running after her, trying to ask her a more date, seeing if she wants to spend more time together, and you're running out and like being being chased. I disagree with that completely. And from I, I would rather someone chase me than me to be chased. So I don't I don't generally do dates, man. I don't do it. I find that it's too it's too forced, it's too fabricated. I would much rather meet someone authentically much rather them like start to really really like me and them be a bit unsure of unsure of things if I feel the same way kind of thing rather than me like actively like running out like please please like at the end of the day push pause the thing you pull you you try and pull someone towards you you try and force them to like you you try and it's like the story of the of the of the, the really nice guy that's like running after the girl and buying her flowers you try and do that and they're gonna push away push pull you put you you push them away they're going to pull vice versa so like dating and stuff how do you meet people then the way that i've met people has always been like authentic so it's always been on a night out or maybe at a, at a festival or something where i've where i've met someone i i go into the interaction and i'm not like it's not like oh i'm really attracted to you you're beautiful let's have a date it's more like you just asking them a question and treating them as a genuine human and then you you actually meet you don't know someone so how can you realize that there could be any kind of spark there you're just jumping on jumping on the bandwagon you're just jumping on this thing because you're scared that no one else might ever love you you don't even know the person so how can you take someone out for a romantic date and um, it's, I think it's much better to meet someone, have some like innocent question or genuine interest in just like learning to know them as a person. So for example, if you met someone at a festival and like out having a chat with them, chilling with them for a little bit, you find them attractive, happy days. And then and then if something happens, it happens authentically from there. Like maybe you see them again, or maybe for example, you meet someone on a night out, you have a nice chat with them, you get on with them really well. It's not a date because you've only just met them, you met them there. And you can be like, oh, um, 
I'm going. Uh, I'm going here tomorrow, my mates. If you guys want to come along, uh, it's, it's, so it's technically it could be seen as a date, but it isn't really a date because you're doing something anyway. So it's framed in a way that you're going to do something, and that if they want to come along, they can come along with you. So it's just cre- it's just all about authenticity and not forcing anything and not creating this like imbalance sort of hierarchy. That's the, the way that I see it anyway. So I've always asked asked people uh, or, or told people like, uh tomorrow." Um, tomorrow we're going to the beach uh, you guys can come with us something along those lines and just kind of create this dynamic where it's uh where it's a win-win for both of you rather than one person being this it's incredibly important how you set up the initial boundaries and the initial starting point when you meet someone because whatever way that you set the boundaries it is only going to be amplified there is a plague in this society of of women being incredibly controlled by their male partners not being allowed to do certain things being being just not treated correctly and there's also a plague of men not being treated correctly by their female partners as well it's like mistrust between between two people and it shouldn't even start like that man you've got to set the boundaries as soon as something romantic happens or as soon as you start seeing someone it's you you've got to make it very clear in terms of like where the boundaries are at like what's okay and what's not okay and just stand your fucking ground like stand your ground and don't be agreeable and don't take shit because you've got to realize that however you start this relationship or interaction off as soon as it becomes romantic whatever like things you don't like is going to be amplified by a hundred or a thousand so yeah backtracking to dates like like i said i, I don't do dates i don't like dates and now i have done dates if i'm not seeing someone romantically if i met someone i would message them and i'd always it always seemed like i have some ulterior ulterior motive so for example uh alma who came to stay with me from portugal if you watch my youtube video on that long story short um i saw saw someone on facebook on a facebook page it's pretty weird actually i'm low-key a stalker definitely like the guy for series netflix series is it Joe? What's it? No, it's not Joe. It's you. Um, anyway, so this girl on the Facebook page is attractive. She likes similar things to what I liked and loads of guys have been weird about it. It was like a, a song ID page and I was like, oh, she seems very cool. Um, found her, stalked her TikTok, stalked her Instagram and then DM'd her and was like, blah, blah, blah. And basically, I never was like, oh, you're attractive. Can I have your number or anything like that? It was always uh, always a reason as in like, you, you, you look all right um i would love to use you or let's uh let's let's link up like my group will link up with your group i'm i want to use you for some instagram clout so i want to take some user photos because you're attractive because you're because you look right in camera or something along those lines it's never like me chasing after someone or you running after someone like oh you're really pretty please can i have your number i think that's a terrible way of doing things and it sets up this imbalance in in dynamic so there's always like a reason in terms of there's something else like i'm doing this anyway like this is how I'm going to benefit. I'm going to be having a great time. If you want to come along, like you're more than welcome to come on. Or I'm going to this event. I see you like to go to events. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm new to this area. I don't know anyone. Uh, I need some friends. Let's let's link up. Let's all go together or something. Let's have a good time. So it's not a date, but it's like creating a creating a reason to spend time with that person. And then if something happens, then it happens, and so be it. You're going to have a great time, and then maybe it can transpire into something from a, something that's romantic. Probably a really shit way of explaining it, but like I said, I didn't plan any of this. I had no intention of talking about any of these subjects, so it's all going off the bat. Relationships then, like I said, boundaries are incredibly important, and whatever you set the bound, however you set the boundaries to start with, they're going to consist, be consistent throughout the whole relationship. So a big one is with with uh, with men, when they have a girlfriend, is they don't spend a lot of, this is, this goes both ways, is they don't spend a lot of time with their, their friends. So for example, their girlfriend might be like, no, 
no, I don't want you going out. You can't, you can't go out. We're meant to do something together. But I can guarantee if when they first started seeing each other, if um, they were like, what are you doing tonight? And he was, if, if she was like to you, what are you doing tonight? Um, let's, let's do something. And he was like, oh, I've made plans with the, with the boys. And she's like, please come out with me. And then he's like, oh, okay, then you're setting a bad boundary to start on. I, you should be like, no, I've made plans. Um, I'll see you. I've, I'm free free tomorrow. We can do something tomorrow. I'll see you then. That's, that's a good place. That's a good boundary to set because this person realizes that you're, you're, you're a person of your word. You're not going to change your plans. You're not going to let people down based upon based upon for, for them and you're not going to prioritize them over over everything it's like checking checking phones as well why does that even happen like if your partner checks your phone or you check their phone you need to reevaluate your fucking life and your entire relationship if anyone that i was with asked to look at my phone or look through my dms they would be gone i would be like see you later goodbye. Trust is everything. Like trust between two people is absolutely everything. So first of all, you don't want to break that trust. But also it's like the moment someone has any doubts in you, like why are you even with them? Why are you, why are you together? I'll be, if someone wanted to look at my phone, like by all means, they could look at my phone. But the moment they look at my phone, the moment they look through my messages, it's like, yeah, I'll see you later then. Because quite often, if we don't trust someone, it's a reflection of ourselves. If we don't trust someone, it's because we have these things on our mind. So a lot of people that cheat, they gaslight their partners. And if their partners don't know that they've cheated, they're very insecure and they're very worried about their partners cheating on them, even though they've cheated on their partners, because it's a reflection of themselves. There's always a reason for some kind of behavior, always a reason for a reason for something. So a right of advice for relationships is like first of all don't cheat on anyone don't give them a reason to a reason to want to look through your phones and stuff you don't want to if you want to go out and fuck loads of people don't be with a don't have a relationship break up with your partner whatever it is but also don't allow someone to push you around don't allow someone to treat you like shit realize that there's always there's always someone better out there if you are getting treated like shit and if you are if you are arguing a lot like you don't have to argue arguing is optional it takes two to tango like if someone is being argumentative and talking to you a certain way abundance there's going to be someone that doesn't there's going to be someone out there that you could meet that does never it's really positive all the time it just doesn't do arguing it doesn't have an issue of the things that you do it's just chill and it's relaxed but by you by stay, but by you staying with this negative person you're gonna you're you're preventing yourself from seeing them. So get into the mindset of abundance, where there's like loads and loads and loads of people out there that you can meet. You, you don't have to be trapped with any any one person. Um, and I realize that all you've got to do is break it off. And you'll look back at this as well. If you if you're in a relationship that's not very happy, you'll look. I've had numerous friends that have come to me with this issue that that you'll be really scared about breaking it off. But deep down, you'll know that you should. You maybe you're living together already, which makes it incredibly hard. And uh, you'll be stressed. You'll be thinking about all the things that you go wrong. You'll you'll be you'll you'll be feeling like emotional anguish. You'll be in so much pain about the thought of doing this. But then you'll do it, and you'll feel amazing. You'll feel great. You'll feel free. You'll feel liberated and it also frees you up to meet someone else and it's like the old saying the the person that's the person the, the person that's in love like in love with someone and gets married and they ha live happily ever after and have children do you think they could have got to that stage if they only had they stayed with the first partner that they met absolutely not so it takes like failures in order to get to that point i was going to say something else about relationships as well but uh, i can't quite remember it what was it setting boundaries like i said set the boundaries to begin with um 
don't don't be pushed around don't take shit and just realize that it takes two to argue as well like i said it takes two people to have an argument obviously people are going to have their ups and downs and be unhappy but um don't rush into things too quick that's another thing i could i could say is i like that's a, a bit of an issue with me like in the past is i always rush into things in the sense that I, I'm, I'm very impatient i don't like wasting time if i want to see someone i will see someone like if i if i met someone on night out for example this is me this is quite recently actually um and i this is like in the last year and i slept with them i should probably be, shouldn't be saying this but it's kind of funny and i and i slept with them if i met someone and we got on really well from a personality point of view it's a true story and we slept together uh we maybe maybe we just met that night we did meet that night and we got on really well they're attractive and uh we sleep together have great sex have a great time and then it's the next day and normally person would like run away and be like all right see you later like nice to meet you blah, blah blah see you around kind of thing but you get on with the person really well like in my head it's like why would you do that why wouldn't you just stay the next night as well and have great sex have great company eat some food chill and relax so i basically had a one-night stand about a year ago and that happened and then the next day i was like we'll stay again tonight and they're like all right, fuck it, why not? And then the next day, I was like, I'm going to stay again tonight. And they're like, yeah, fuck it, of course. And then this person ended up staying at my house for like a month because I was like, why would I, why would I cut it off if I was having, if I, if I get on with this person well with great sex, like we, we, we chill and have a great time. Why would I do that? And that can be a dangerous thing to do because you don't really know someone as a person. You're spending all this time with them. You're investing emotionally and sexually into them and you don't really truly know what they're like. You want to know someone, what they're like. You want to know what someone's like before you make any commitment to someone. I would say you want to know what they're like at their worst. You want to know what they're like when they're absolutely stressed when they're angry when they're upset what are they like as a person are they going to take it out on you are they going to deal with it pretty well are they going to be incredibly neurotic um you, you gotta get to know the person properly before you invest and that's the thing about dates as well one of the dangers about dates like you go on three dates with someone in a public place if three th meals for three times if you if you believe in the three date rule then you fuck on the third date and then suddenly you're like seeing each other or you're like in a you're like low-key together how scary is that a person isn't going to be anything like that their, their true true face isn't gonna their, their true colors aren't going to show in a public place eating dinner like anything can happen and it's why a lot of people end up with fucking nutcases it's not a great thing to do pick your partners carefully and don't settle for anything less than someone that someone that makes you happy you know you, there's this thing as well when it comes to mirror neurons so there's a study done and um, there's, a, I think it's in Italy. I might get a few things wrong. It's in a book I read recently called Invisible Influence. And uh, there's this mirror neurons. Then in our brain, we have these these associated neurons that 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 mirror other people's behaviors or cause certain things to happen. So they they were doing a study on this monkey, and I think they had some electrodes wired up to the prefrontal cortex in the brain, which is. Or is it the premotor cortex? I think it might be. Let's just call it the premotor cortex. The premotor cortex in the brain. I might have just made that up. And uh, basically, whenever they this monkey wired up to the electrodes, whenever the monkey and the, this is the region associated to do with with movement and um, and movement. So if the monkey goes to goes to grab food, it will these these alarms would go off showing that there's activity in this region of the brain to do with movement so the monkey would be given food and then the he'd reach for them and he'd eat the food and all the, the 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 machine would beep showing that there's activity in this region of the brain so whenever the monkey would move whenever it it, it would contemplate doing a doing a movement and then follow through with a movement you'd get this beeping going off long story short scientists went for lunch 
one of them that forgot something and they came back in and he had an ice cream in his hand and the monkey was sat there perfectly still watching him and the, the, the scientist lifted up the ice cream and put it in his own mouth and took a lick and as he took a lick the alarm started beeping that were attached to the monkey and the, the region of the monkey's brain associated with the monkey's movement and him moving started to light up, started to show activity and he looked at the monkey and the monkey wasn't moving at all. And what they later found out is that when the when when primates or when humans, when when we view something happening, or when we spend a lot of time around someone, our brains actually mirror their behavior. So we mirror people, we we mirror emotional states, we mirror behavior. And from the monkey's point of view, in terms of brain activity, the scientist lifting up the ice cream to his own mouth was the same from the point of view of the monkey's brain as the monkey lifting up a piece of food going into its own mouth it was the exact same brain activity they couldn't differentiate between the two and that's how mirror neurons were discovered so in a relationship then that what's why is this important it's important because if you're with someone and you don't love their personality you don't think they handle hardship well maybe they they they, they don't handle anger very well they get stressed you are going to become more like that person it's a scientific fact you're going to take on their good traits and you're going to take on their bad traits as well so if the person is very emotional if the person gets very stressed if the person doesn't interact with people very nicely you're going to become more like that you're going to become a more stressed negative worried person and just look at someone and think is this person if I acquire this person's traits are they going to make me into a better person if the answer is no then what are you doing with them fuck them off you've got to be incredibly selective of who you choose to spend your time with especially a partner so so important with a partner because you're going to become more like that person you want to be with motivated people that lift you up that are positive that are outgoing that are that are happy people because you are going to mirror their behavior and this is a this is a why, why do you think couples look like each other have you ever noticed a couple they if they've been together really really long they kind of look similar sometimes they look a little bit a little bit like each other or it just seem like very very similar the reason for that is number one is we're more attracted to things that are similar to us so we like people with for example similar level a similar level of attractiveness we will we'll find mates that are on a similar level to us so they, they're probably going to look similar in terms of bone structure face structure various other things number two is this is the most significant one is when people spend so much time together because of mirror neurons and mirroring we begin to resemble each other in terms of mannerisms, the our emotional states, and also our face, the tonality of face muscles. So if someone's smiling all the time, if a partner you're with is smiling all the time, or if let's say you smile all the time, okay, you smiling all the time, and this is like, do you remember when you were a kid and your mum would say, if the wind blows and you're pulling a stupid face, your friends would say, if the wind blows, you're pulling a stupid face, you'll get stuck like that forever. It's got an element of truth in, not to do with the wind, but if you're smiling a lot, if you're smiling all the time, you're eventually going to train your muscles, you're going to tone your muscles in that certain pattern or certain way to 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 look to look happier more often you might not necessarily look happier but you're going to be toning muscles in a specific way if you're miserable all the time you're going to be toning muscles into this like miserable miserable looking way so if you're with someone who's 
always happy, always smiling, always cracking jokes, always laughing, you're going to be laughing and smiling as well. Laugh, laughter releases endorf, endorphins, an incredibly powerful drug. It's why people get addicted to many drugs because of endorphins, alcohol. Laughter releases endorphins. It makes you feel great. People that laugh more are likely to live for longer. They experience less bouts, fewer bouts of depression. So if you're with someone that's laughing a lot, you're going to be laughing a lot as well. And over time, your face muscles are going to become toned in the same way that theirs are, which is why people start to look alive. If you're very miserable, then the, the same thing, the reverse is going to happen. If they're very miserable, you're going to begin to feel more negative emotions and begin to be, feel more miserable as well. So you gradually, it's scary, but you gradually grow or begin to look like your, your partner. It's why, do you know when you get older people, elderly people, and it's called the, the bulldog face. This is in, from a book called The Definitive Book of Body Language. And you get this downwards, miserable looking bulldog face. That's um, that's from that. That's an actual thing. So you get this. Think about it, just like the slightly overweight, grumpy old person. They've got like a t- such bulldog face on Google Images, and they've got this like downwards turned down smile. They've got droopy cheeks, and they just look like a bit like a like a fish with this upturned, like not very nice mouth. They look like really really grumpy. And you could be thinking like, oh, maybe are they? Maybe they're, maybe they're like a nice person. Maybe they're just happy, and that just happens to be the, the way that they look. No, research shows that people who have this bulldog exhibit this bulldog face actually experience more negative emotions and are more grumpy and miserable and due to a lifetime of being in that miserable looking unhappy non-smiley sad look it's like gradually their face has become toned into that into that way into that manner it's like quite often if you speak to someone like this they're probably not don't make assumptions obviously everyone's different that they're more likely than not going by the science to be not a very positive happy outgoing person and their face structure resembles that so you've got to realize that when you're when you're with someone it's so important that you choose someone with a for for your face structure for your mental health your emotional state it's so important that you choose someone that's positive that's happy that's outgoing that is going to lift you up and that you're going to look at that whose personality you can examine and be like yes i would be happy acquiring all of their traits, like all of their traits, good and bad, I would be, the, the good far outweigh the bad. I would be happy by doing that. They respond to stress well. They respond to, respond to the best way to do it is like look at look at someone and see what they offer to someone who can give them nothing in return. How do they help the stranger that? How do they help someone that they get no return from? What do they do? How do they help in the how do they how do they act in the time of the most stress? Look at them, and that's when the cracks in people's personalities really, really start to show. So yeah, um, a bit of a long one, a bit of a random one, but that was my that was my opinion on uh, being more self-confident, dealing with rejection, dating, relationships, being happy, and uh, being happy single. As always, let me know what you thought of it. Even if you DM me before, I get I get back to like ninety percent of my messages. Just some that go amiss. I'm trying to cut down on cut down on time on my phone on social media. I could do that. I podcast on that actually. Uh, social media and what I think of it. Um, um, let me know if you want to see that. But I do try and get back to all the messages. But it's like a trade off, you know, between aimlessly scrolling through Instagram and just replying to people and actually like helping people out with the questions they have for me. But I do pretty much see all of the messages. I reply to most of them if you DM me. If I haven't replied to you, drop me another DM. Don't be afraid to DM me. I'm not deliberately ignoring you. It's not embarrassing that I've that I haven't replied to you. It's not embarrassing to double message me at the end of the day. Like I think that sometimes as well when I message like influencers or contact people with large followings, I've seen that I've emailed them or messaged them before. I'm like, oh, they've ignored me. But no, you've got to remember that 
they, they probably get a lot, a lot of messages and they just haven't seen it. It's nothing personal. They probably feel a bit bad about not seeing it. So anyway, uh, drop me a message what you think. And uh, thank you for all the messages last time. That has really, really fucking motivated me to, to do this podcast this week because like I said, it's very hard to very hard to do these podcasts when I don't get immediate feedback in the sense that there's no comment section on, on the Spotify or Apple. I can't see how many people have liked it. All I can see is how many people have downloaded the podcast. So if you don't download it, download it. And uh, the messages that you guys send me on Instagram, the DMs, and it's made me super motivated because like there's no monetary return on this. There's no direct return in terms of me promoting products on it. Like I probably should, but um, it's made me super motivated to do more of these just based on the, the impact that they're having on people's lives. Like it's really, really cool. It's cool that I I can just sit here, offload some information that I've learned, offload the things that people, other people have helped me with and other people have told me, share some of my thoughts, kind of do a bit of a therapy session on my own in a room with a, cat, with a microphone and uh, you guys get value from it as well. So uh, anyway, on that note, peace out. I love the bits. Absolutely smash for the rest of your day and uh, thank you. Good night.